Hey friend, we just wanted to pop over and remind you of all of the freebies that we have on our website at hustlehumblypodcast.com slash resources. There are quite a few on there. They work for buyers and sellers, for your business, all different things you might need and all for free. Mm -hmm. Alyssa, which one is your favorite? My favorite freebie is the due diligence checklist. Oh, that's a good one and Mm -hmm. so impactful for your buyers. Mm -hmm. It's a great email template. It's a really good one. Uh, My favorite is probably staging checklist. Mm -hmm. I want my sellers to have those houses looking good. Yes, yes. So head over and see which ones you would like to download or get them all. Enjoy. Your clients need data. They don't need flashy reports with fancy photos. Code or area. I make a polygon. Me too. <laughs> because I love the polygon. The polygon. So polygon is necessary. And y'all are like, what the fuck What's is the polygon? And they have the new gazebo. And they have <laughs> the new generator. And you're like, this doesn't change anything. I'm... WTF is an accurate CMA in this market. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, y'all. Welcome to Hustle Humbly. It's Alyssa and Katie, and we are two top producing realtors in the Baton Rouge market. We work for two different companies where we should be competitors, but we have chosen community over competition. The goal of our podcast is to encourage you to find your own way in business. So stop comparing yourself and start embracing your strengths. Hi, Alyssa. Hey, Katie. It's episode number 97. Okie dokie. We're going to get really technical today. They like these technical how-to episodes. <laughs> the people really <laughs> like the the technical how-to episodes. So this is how to complete a CMA for offers and listings. Perfect. Because you got to do it for both. Yeah. You got to do it for both. Sure. Do you want to tell the people what CMA stands for? I mean, most people know. <laughs> and sometimes I switch it up in my brain. I know. It's comparative market analysis. That's what I would say. Or competitive market analysis i say comparative me too i think that there's probably it's supposed to be comparative because you're comparing that's why you say the word comps comps you know everyone who's ever met a realtor what are the comps what are the comps the comparable tell me about the comps i'm gonna have to look up the comps right i love real estate (laughs) jargon makes me laugh yeah and jargon in any like field makes me laugh because you're just used to it so i sometimes i'm like oh like i go to send a client a cma i can't just call it a cma that's weird but you know what analysis I call or a market report. Yeah. I'll say, here's the market report. Yes. I'm not going to call it. Please, y'all, don't say CMA to your clients. No, it's they don't weird. know what that means. They don't know what that means. All right. So how do you want to start it? Well, Katie, <laughs> what do you want to say? Just as a, to jump right in, please. Katie sent me a property. Yeah, let's do I that. I sent Katie a property. We, yes. Both properties were difficult. Air, were difficult and they were in areas that do not have good data. Uh-huh. Uh, they're not in like a cookie cutter subdivision. Uh-huh. They have workshops, they have pools, they have guest houses. Um, yeah. So <laughs> we really, we, we swung for the fences when we were like, I think both of us just wanted to know the other one's opinion. Yes. <laughs> and I will tell you, um, when you're doing a market report and you have a tricky property, please don't hesitate to reach out to your broker. Yes. Another agent. Get mm-hmm. several opinions. An appraiser. Yes. Hello, y'all, it, you don't have to know the answers because there is no, just like when you tell your clients. There's no answer. Right. I don't know for sure if this is the answer. Mm-hmm. The market is going to then tell us. This is what I, I do tell my clients, though. Once we've picked the number, I'll say, look, the market's going to tell us if this price is wrong. Mm-hmm. If it's too high, no one's going to come see it. If it's too low, you're going to have a whole bunch of offers on the first day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
But then it may not be too low. It might be overpriced and the market's just crazy and you get multiple offers on it. You may never, you just never know. If it's a really strange house yeah. and there are no comps, I yeah. tell my buyer, look, it may be worth it to get an appraisal. Yeah. So that we can tell buyers that we have this appraisal. Mm -hmm. And if you don't like the appraisal number and you want to list 20,000, 30,000 higher than the appraisal, we don't have to share the appraisal. Yeah, you just keep it. Because we all know every appraiser is going to come and have a different number. You could have five appraisals and they would all be Five different. numbers, five different numbers. So, you know, we you do your best to just price it based off of what you know. But sometimes if it's just such a wide, if I can't get it down to a tight range. Yeah. What would you say is a I tight range? Within like within, 10 to 30,000? Yes. <laughs> That's I, what I feel is a tight range. Yeah. I feel like anything, but I think my dad even said at one point that appraisals can be like plus or minus a percentage. Okay. Like 10% or something. Right. And so, and that's why you could have five appraisals and they could all be Yeah, and if you feel like, and look, to be fair, the two properties that we chose were kind of rangy. Yes. Like to the point where I think I would have been like, maybe I might want to talk to an appraiser. Right. Or I definitely wanted to ask a few people's opinions. Mm -hmm. So let's go through one of them. And we did them separately. Yep, separate And came up with our own numbers. We sure did. So we shall see. Okay, tell the people about your your property and I'll tell them what my problems were when I went to cop it. Okay, so I sent Katie a property that is not technically in a subdivision. It's on a prestigious road, but a busy road. So I always got confused why it was so prestigious. And sections of the road seem more prestigious than Than others. others. And then it does have a pool, but the pool is really old and small. It does have a guest house, (laughs) but it could use some repairs. The inside is going to be really nice. It's going to have refinished hardwood. The house is like 75 years old. It'll have refinished hardwood floors, a nice kitchen, a nice bathroom, three bedroom, two baths, 1,700 square feet. Oh, yes. Well, 1898. 1898. So 1,900 square <laughs> 1900 feet. feet. With a small pool with yep. a guest house. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of grass. That's correct. Okay. So Almost. what was your process? Like, how did? what was the first thing you did? Okay, I'm going to try to keep this tight. Um, I... I first checked what neighborhood it was in. Okay. Because it was technically in a neighborhood, yes. even though it's on this busier road. You know, like when a neighborhood's close to a busy road and then like some of the houses are facing the road. So I figured out what neighborhood it was in. I went to see if there were any houses that had sold in the last six months in that neighborhood that were that same size. There were not. Okay. <laughs> so right. I was like, okay. wow, delightful. Okay, nothing. Step two. So then I'm like, well, okay. I, I'm going to weigh the size and type of property a little more heavily at this point because I got to go out of the neighborhood, right? right? So, okay, 1898, I'm going to look. I think I went down. I'm going to look at my CMA here. Um, The lowest I went down to like was 1750 square feet. And then I went up to like 2100, okay? 2150. So that's a bracket. Sure. Got to get a bracket, right? Um, And then I... Thought about, and I did try to keep it all three bedrooms, but mm-hmm. I will tell you, I feel like um, from the questions that we got, um, don't get overly focused on that. Mm-hmm. You can adjust up and down for a four bedroom versus a three bedroom versus mm-hmm. a two bedroom. Now, do I think the buyer is the same for a two bedroom and a three bedroom? No. Right. But there's an adjustment that can be made there. If you're talking about a neighborhood that's all three bedrooms and you happen to find the one two bedroom, 
you better be using comps from within the neighborhood. Sure. If houses have sold there, that's where you got to start. Yep. So I got some three bedrooms, similar, like bracketed the size. And then I started going outside of the neighborhood. Okay. Right. Now, I know the city. Yes. That's the bonus of being a realtor that studies the market, which is what you should all be doing, whether you're on day one on the job or day 10 years on the job. You should know the area, right? Right. So, so did you increase your search in MLS by doing like zip code or area? I make a polygon. Me too. <laughs> because I love the polygon. The polygon, polygon is necessary. And y'all are like, what the fuck is the polygon? That? Okay. On Paragon, the MLS system we are using... Um, to be fair, y'all, Alyssa and I have never talked to each other about how we do CBA, no, so this never. is really entertaining. The polygon feature basically is I can pull up the map, pick a point, so I picked this house, right? And then I can draw with the mouse lines that look like a crazy polygon, yeah, right? I feel like I zoom out yes. to see the big major yes. streets. So do not. You are going to waste a bunch of time if you pick the house mm-hmm. and then do a one-mile radius. Oh, yeah, no. That... No, unless you're like out in the country or something. I just don't know, like inside of an urban area um, where there's a lot of different neighborhoods that are a lot of different types of houses, that doesn't make sense. So I I zoomed out on the map. I said, okay, I know that this house is in an area where there are other houses like it, but it's an older part of town. So there are like 10 different neighborhoods that are named different neighborhoods. It's not an obvious, like, new construction. You're in. This is the neighborhood. You're out. This is like the neighborhood one street to the next is a different dang neighborhood. Yes. Okay. So I drew my polygon using typically large arteries as borders. Right. Like like, streets, highways. Exactly. So this was pretty close to LSU. I, you know, I kind of went near the lake and I took in South Downs and like, I, you know, I I pulled in some areas that made sense to me. Okay. Okay. It still wasn't easy because I feel like the particular part of the road where this house was is a little bit busier Mm -hmm. and not And I even called her and said, how close is this house to the road? Like, if it's set further back, maybe I'm okay with using some comps on the higher end, blah, blah, blah. Y'all, just to be um, transparent, I had three active properties. I pulled six sold and four pending sales. Okay. I don't want to comp something with less than one other active. Sure. I don't need a ton of actives. That's like your guinea pig. I just need to know. how are things going? I would like to have one to three pending. Mm -hmm. And I... I got to have at least three sold. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, and your dad's, uh, so I can't wait to hear your your process because <laughs> your dad being an appraiser, you come from a long line of appraisers. That's like in you. Uh, so I, you got to have enough. This one, I felt like I had enough and I was trying to really get a variety. So my sold properties range from 175 a square foot all the way up to 210. The average was 201 a square foot. Okay. Did I just go use the average? No, I clicked. Then I start clicking on photos. How do the photos of these sold properties uh, compare to this? And I don't click on the photos as much of the actives. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to see where are we going to fall when I price it according to the market. Yep. Now, the pendings and the sold, I want to know what they look like. Yes. How long did the pendings stay on the market? Typically, you guys, if you look at the actives, you'll see the ones that are still active have maybe been on the market longer because nobody wants them. Mm Mm-hmm. Pendings, I look at the days on the market sold. I look at the days on the market were all really good, actually. Yeah. Um, but the house has no grass no in grass. the backyard. Yeah, no. It's got this weird pool. It's got this <laughs> weird pool house. It need, you know, it's in the middle of some renovations, but it's not going to be like brand new. No. 
So I came up with a range. It was kind of large. I felt like this is an extra. I felt like it was three fifty, and then the tip top would be three ninety nine. And it really it could sell anywhere from two ninety nine to three ninety nine. It was a huge range because when I started looking at the other houses, they all had things that it did not, and it was just kind of hard. And so we will be listing this property for four hundred thousand. Oh, okay. When you, we so talked last, we are I at the top of your range, and it's funny because when I. Actually, we might be listing it for four fifteen. I think you said four fifteen last time, and I kind of laughed because you said, "Well, she and I asked." Alyssa had asked her client. I when I ran comps, my range was as big as Katie's. Yeah, and I asked the client. I said, "I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> it's a little much. It's a big range. Right. It's a unique property. What it? What are you hoping for financially? Right. Because I need to check that number. Yeah. And see if I can. Yeah. Justify that number. Yeah. She said we would love to get close to four hundred out of it. Yeah. So I went back to the drawing board. Yeah. To check and see, <laughs> and there were like some comps that could. It, it because it's so unique. Maybe there's someone out there that wants a pool, and this is their price range, and they want this location. You know, but some of this stuff I didn't have data to support. Yeah. But I just think because of this market and there's nothing like it. Well, you know what's nice about a giant range? Hopefully an appraiser has as much trouble yeah. and so they can air to high as right. opposed, but you get a conservative appraiser, they mm -hmm. could just as easily air on the low end. Yeah. You could end up with a $299,000 appraisal. You could. Regardless of if you got, got a buyer for four fifteen. dollars Right. But I think what was funny to me was that your, when I asked you what you would have priced it, it was closer to what I had said. I think than, I had said like three seventy five. dollars Yeah. And that's, I would have said that's fair. Mm -hmm. I would have expected it to sell for three fifty. dollars You could price it somewhere between three fifty dollars and 380s. And that would make sense. Mm -hmm. 415 is pushing it. But in this market, I well, don't know. I, I even tell my clients with the way the market is right now. Whatever number I come up with based on the comps, yeah. I'm adding about 10 to 15 to it. Yeah. So you have to know your market yes. and know what's selling and know that that, like, that is a hot area. And I looked at those days on market and yeah. I'm like, well, we don't have to sell in five days. Right. Like maybe I could now, add. What? Okay. We're not going to stay on this a long time, but do you give them some like, look, after two weeks, if nobody yes. comes to see yes. this, we're going to make a drastic price change. Yes. Because we're we've done wrong. Right. That's what I tell my clients. I'm like, if no one comes to see it in this hot market, mm -hmm. your price is wrong. Correct. Okay. All okay. right. Hey. Do you want to do, I'm going to tell them about mine and then yes. you can tell me what you did. Perfect. Okay. So mine is in a suburb. So outside of the Baton Rouge proper area, it's in Denham Springs. It's in a very good school district. So a very popular school district. Um, the elementary and the junior high are like walkable. Like you can get to them from the house. Easy. Mm -hmm. uh, 2165 square feet, three bedroom, two bath, plus an office. It's a good size office. Like it could really be a bedroom, but it doesn't have a closet. Uh, front porch across the whole front, 1.5 acres, not in a neighborhood, but backing up to a nice looking neighborhood. Didn't flood. Oh, and y'all don't know this, but we have to also think about the flooding because in 2016, we had a really terrible flood. So this property did not flood, but it does require flood insurance, which can, I would say, impact the value. Yeah. Depending on the so. flood insurance. Rear right. carport, large heated and cooled storage room, built out. Mother-in-law was um, off of the carport. 
there's currently a bathroom in there. It's like this was very bad. It's gutted, but it's stubbed out. It right. had termite damage. It's been repaired. It's having some renovations done. Like y'all, there was a lot. And I have never seen this house. That, that I no never pictures. saw yours either. And yeah, we neither of us have seen it's either of these. So oh. we are just using the data and tools yes. that we have. Yes. No fence. House has nice built-ins, brick fireplace, wood mantel, cathedral ceiling, and living room. And the reno was going to include new exterior and interior paint, new roof, updated lighting inside, new granite counter in the kitchen, luxury vinyl in the main area, and new carpet in the bedrooms. Okay. Step one. Step one. You have, here's the other thing. Just like Alyssa didn't go into this one, I didn't go into hers. And that's important for you to tell your seller clients before you can quote them a price. Mm -hmm. I can do this with information if they give me enough, but I never say, we're going to list it for 15. No. Because I need to it. see. Yeah. They might say it's clean and well-maintained, and it is not. <laughs> or they might not say anything, and you have no clue until you go there. Or right. maybe they were like, there's carpet in the bedrooms, but they didn't mention it was purple. Sure. Okay, go. First thing I did, and I, I'm not, I don't sell in this area, so I feel like I was really going in blind. Good. Okay, okay I like that. I did a search by the area first. Well, first I looked up the address and it had never been listed. Because <laughs> I like to just, I always like to look up the address oh, to I see the said, history of the house. That was the first thing yeah. I did for years. Alyssa's yeah. had been listed before. And y'all, the last time it sold, the pool photo was green. It's not green anymore. It was green. <laughs> it's an old pool. Um, so I did an area search and there were 11 houses. And I was like, oh, good. But then when I looked at the CMA summary, all of them were in a cookie cutter subdivision. Yeah. So none of them worked. There was not enough data. So instead, and the polygon failed me. Yeah. In this particular right. one. You probably I, have to do zip code. I did. So after area failed me, I did zip code. Okay. Um, And I got 31 options. Okay. So I was looking at the CMA summary. I call it the CMA summary. That's the only one I use. That's let's, the only one I use. Let's tell them that really quick. Yeah. Um, in our MLS, snapshot. In our MLS system, there are probably, what, 15 different types of CMA reports. Yes. The way the report actually looks. You and I both choose the CMA summary, y'all, which is a single sheet of paper. I'm going to show you two. It's black and white. It is no not, photos. Like, it's not fancy. You can see pretty much all the data you need on two pages. It has, you know, price per square foot, days on market, number of bedrooms, and you can change what the fields are. Yeah. So if it's a house with a pool, I'll add the field yep. for pool. If it's a house where the builders are all different in a neighborhood, but they sell at different prices, I'll add the builder field. Like you can change out the different fields. Right. And I want to state here. Please do not get caught up in the way that your CMA report looks. It doesn't matter your at all. Your clients <laughs> need data. They don't need flashy reports with no. fancy photos. Mm -hmm. It's And it's more time consuming for you. Right. And you could have better spent that time by looking at the photos of each of these properties and mm -hmm. really giving it thorough, like, mm -hmm. thoughts, right? Right. Okay, go. Hello friends, we are so excited that so many of you are using the template course and the reviews are just pouring in, letting us know that it has helped your business as much as it has helped our business. Yes, listen to this review. Thank you so much for providing this wealth of information, knowledge, and template form. So far I've used a handful and received positive feedback like, 
this is so professional, or I really appreciate how organized you are. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah, Your clients are actually going to say that. Yes. All right, here's another one. Thank you so much for this. I can't tell you how many times I've started this and how many notebooks of samples and notes I had. <laughs> I have ADHD and it is super hard to stay focused on getting it done. Having it all in one place is going to make it so nice. That is what we're here for. I know. Just look, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Just yeah. use these. Yeah, nice and simple, easy, ready to go, ready for you to put your own logo on, make it sound like you. So head over to hustlehumblypodcast.com slash course slash course and check it out that's right and you're going to enjoy them you're going to love them you're gonna it's going to change your life literally fired <laughs> my assistant they are the best okay, enjoy bye, the template yes enjoy so now i have a basically excel spreadsheet of 31 houses okay um and these were i i had eliminated the ones that were in cookie cutter subdivisions by lot size okay because how big was your lot 1.5 acres yes so i think i had done point nothing under half an acre oh, that makes sense to me so that's how i got 31 when i expanded to the zip code okay so now i just viewed the summary to mm -hmm. just see where we started <laughs> right and i unchecked the ones that were new construction because they were super high yep and I unchecked the ones that were flooded and gutted because they were super, super low. low. Okay. Um, and then I redid, I clicked refresh to mm -hmm. just have the ones I selected. And it was perfect. So anytime my average and median mm -hmm. price per square foot are close. close, I know that I'm in a good place. Okay. In this situation, when I hit refresh, it was an average of 127 to 129 a square foot. Okay. So I was like, sweet. At least it wasn't like 115 right. to 130 yeah. a square foot. Right. So I know I'm on the right track. So now it's time to look a little bit closer. That's based off of just a house that sits on at least 0.5 acres. Right. So that would put this house between 275 and 280. Okay. But now we need to look a little bit closer. So I scrolled through to see which ones have a workshop. Okay. Because I need, I've priced the house. Now how much value am I giving like this workshop yeah. and the guest house and things like that? Mm -hmm. Ironically enough, there were three okay. houses after right. looking through. You were like, you don't say. You don't say. Two of them were on... 1.1 and 1.7 acres. Mm -hmm. So I was like, that's good. Yep. One of them was on 0.5 acres, but it was a little bit more updated okay. of a house. So one of them, I broke it down, had a workshop, no fence, very, this was the most comparable house. Yeah. Do you find that you try to zero in on the house that's most similar? Yeah. I do too. And it kind of just happens as I'm making my yeah, notes. I'm like, there. well, this one is the most. Yeah. It sold for 140 a square foot. Okay. That would put this house around 303. Okay. Sell, sells price 303. Okay. Um, and y'all, I use price per square foot as a guide. Mm -hmm. I don't, it's not like. To the penny. No, no, no. no. It, it's just a good guide. Right. And, and when your numbers are all coming in in a similar price per square foot, yeah. it lets you know that seems to be what's happening. Right. House number two had a separate workshop area plus a separate storage area. And it sold for 143 a square foot. Okay. Which would put this house at 309. Okay. So we have 303 and 309. Okay. These are good ranges. The last house that I found had a climate-controlled storage unit, 
um, on the property. It was on half an acre, so less acreage, but then I think it made up for it as more updated and it sold for 142 a square foot, mm -hmm. which would put this house at 308. So now I have ran comps, compared it to these three sales, and I have 303, 309, 308. Okay. So I would suggest a list price in this market mm -hmm. of somewhere between 315 to 319. Yeah. List price. Yeah. Probably selling somewhere around 310. So I will that concludes my market analysis. I'm so proud. <laughs> um, you did a great job. The funniest thing was when we went to record this episode the first time we ran out of time. Or I don't know what happened. So, but we needed to talk about these listings. So Alyssa and I had this chat already. But I, when she said, okay, so I'm, it looks like it's worth 310. I said, oh, okay, we were going to list it for 315. And she said, yes, I would list it for 315. <laughs> and I'm like, perfect. So y'all... A house that was not like the others in an area that was more rural, we literally came up with the exact same yep. list price. Exact. And I think it's really good that we did two separate ones. Yeah. Because one, we had like a $50,000 difference. Yeah. And one, we were within $5,000 of each other yeah. after doing the same. And I think analysis. we had the, yes, and we had the equivalent problems on both. Like, so... Um, I know you guys, it feels like there's an answer and I don't know how to do it. Sometimes there's just not an answer. Right. Sometimes you've got to feel, sometimes you have to have some intuition about the market. You have to feel the market. You have to be, and this is why I think it's important to represent buyers and sellers mm -hmm. because spending time with buyers in the area that you're also spending time with sellers will help you get a feel for the market. Mm -hmm. So you can, and you can get that from looking at the data too. Like how long did it take to sell? what you know what houses seem to be selling in that area and what price range sells more commonly so those were our samples i like that uh, that was fun it was super fun and it's fun you guys and i used to do this in my old office with another agent all the time hey will you comp this house for me because I, i'm not, i just want to see if mm -hmm. we're close because pricing a house is a little um so scary. i had a house recently that i literally had like anxiety about yes, it can because be scary. I did, you know, this is people's money. Yeah. So I ran comps and I thought that we should list at 325. Okay. They were tickled to death. They oh, were like, yes. great, wonderful. Until they talked to the neighbors. Oh God. And then the neighbors were like, well, you're, you should definitely be asking more. The market is so blah, blah, no, blah. No, because the neighbors care about their value. Right, right. I hate that. And when I had the conversation with the husband about what the neighbor said, it just, it kind of made me like feel, it made me feel, this is me just being like, you know, emotional. It made me feel like they didn't trust me well, and that they felt like I had underpriced their home. Here's the problem. This happens all the time. I know. The neighbors are friends with your seller. Yes. More so than you are. Yes. And the neighbors are either likely, if they're talking, sad that they're moving. Yes. Okay. And the neighbors feel invested in the value of their home because it obviously directly impacts their home. Yes. It is hard for sellers to understand that because they think that the neighbor comes and says, oh, well, that's too low. You need to get more in this crazy market, blah, blah, blah. The neighbor thinks, oh, well, they must know something I don't know or that Alyssa right, doesn't right. know. Or they're obviously familiar. They live here. Sure. I feel like it's almost a talk you have to have. And I don't. And this is good that we're talking about it. 
it's almost a talk you have to have with your sellers. Hey, your neighbors may or may not like the price that mm -hmm. you set the house. We're doing what the data mm -hmm. speaks to the data. And I'm happy to provide you extra copies of this market report sure, if you to share give it. your neighbor. Like you can't just pick a different price because your neighbor made you feel bad. Right. And so this, it's kind of funny because I'm at it full circle now. And here's how it played out. Okay, let's hear it. So I, had, I did my, I emailed them 325. He said, great, that sounds good. He was then happy. I get a, yes. Then I get a phone call. He's like, not happy. Not happy. Neighbor thinks this. The market is so crazy right now that we should go for higher. And yeah. I'm like, okay, well, what do you th what do you think? Since right, what since I think, my expert opinion since what was I think not is good. We want to list at three forty nine. Oh, and I was like, no. okay, twenty thousand. 25,000 more, more than what I thought was pushing it. Yes. What I thought was pushing it. Okay. Yeah. So we did. <gasps> At 349. Yes. And we got four offers over list price. Oh my God. And I called my broker and I said, I feel like I did a disservice. I feel like I'm questioning everything I know. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm bad at this. I should quit real estate. I even told my... Oh, my word. Sellers that I was like, look, guys, I feel like I, because they're excited. They're not being ugly. No, you know? right. Obviously, they're But you're excited. like, I failed. I said, I I'm just wanted to let you know that I feel like I underpriced your property and I'm feeling a little self-conscious about it. And I hope that you aren't. And they were like, no, we're not upset with you at all. This market is crazy, blah, blah, blah. I said, I said, I can be oh, conservative man. at times. And what this market is doing right now is not what it is has always done. Right. It's hard to get it's used to that. It's hard to get used to this. Yeah. So we were it, under... Also, it doesn't happen in every neighborhood on every house. No, 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 no. And this house had flooded. And mm -hmm. I mean, there was just so many things. You I were just, like, oh. So I'm happy for them. But Me I too. am just really having a kick in the pants of like, what... What's I, I thinking? What's going and wrong? what's wrong with me? You it's know, not you. So, um, but look, if you something allowed you to do the three forty nine, yes. So maybe your gut intuition really was okay. Well, they pushed, and I'm going to do it because I don't believe that you would be walked all over. No, I mean I have my limits. Like if they would have said like three eighty, I would have <laughs> like, said no, absolutely no. Like we can't do that, right? But he was also very like stern and adamant that like we're gonna we want to try this and i said that's fine if yeah. after two weeks there's no activity we I will think reduce that's okay well after a day Great. when we have five offers over asking and i was like okay it's well, happened to me before too yeah where i'm like i think this is the hot because y'all also when you're doing cmas for listings um, you have to have a philosophy. You need to be able to verbalize that yes. to your seller and tell them why. So I am. I, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, well, I am an aggressive pricer. I do not want them to leave money on the table. At the same time, so I'm going to always go to the high end of the comps. At the same time, I'm not going to just tell them whatever they want to hear. Like, mm -hmm. I'm like, this is the number. And that's happened to me before where yeah. I'm like, this is the number. I'm pretty stern pretty on sure, this. Yeah. And they pushed me. And got it sold over list. So, well, I thought my 325 was like the number, the aggressive number. I know. Okay. So we're getting through, you know, inspections or whatever. Then I get a call from the lender that says, hey, it didn't appraise. What did it appraise for? So it was a VA appraisal. Oh, this God. is the first time I've ever had this happen. He said it didn't appraise because of the Clear Tide Water Act. 
Cl- yeah, Clear Tide Water okay, Act. I feel like I may have heard this once before. You have to fill out this form and fight for the value. And you don't get to know what it appraised for. <gasps> but you will get to know after you, you have do the disputed form. it. So I opened this form. And may I tell you, it was quite dumb. It asked questions like, does the house have central HVAC? I'm like, they all do. This does not matter. Ask me about the cypress beams and the thick wood floor. Oh, my and word. The, now, at the end, they had, like, comments, oh. a small little and block. And you had to try and fit it all in? Yes. And I'm like, and I had already given him, when the appraiser came, he had copies of all the offers. Yeah. Saw that they were all over list price. He also had my seller's list of updates that they have done Mm -hmm. and, you know, ages of the roof and everything that you would need. He had all of his ammunition. Yeah. My initial gut was like, oh my gosh, how did it not appraise? I already told him that that we had all these offers and I gave him the upgrade list. And I sat down to do this form and was brought back to where I was. Which was in the, the beginning, numbers don't support. Which was that I have no ammunition. But I fought, I I did the basically a CMA for the appraiser. In the comment section, I was like, and they have the new gazebo, and they have <laughs> the like, new generator. And you're like, this doesn't change anything. I'm doing, yeah, I'm doing everything I can to get the value up from a number I don't even know. X number. What the initial number was. I am dying so here. Get it, to it. I know. So it got submitted for review. I, I'm updating my sellers, you know. Okay. And the lender comes back two days later and says, after reviewing your market analysis, the appraiser has increased the price and the appraised value is 330 So it was less than 330 Yeah. I, this is a whole nother question, but were the other offers, I mean, they weren't all VA. Um, no, but there were terms like that were in there that didn't, that didn't support what they wanted. Yeah. I don't think we had any, because this was in a rural area. We had a lot of RD, you know, it, it just, there wasn't like a 20% conventional buyer out there. Got it. (laughs) There was no. Okay. So how did your seller handle this news? So I called them. Did you also feel like semi-vindicated? I I felt validated, but sad to make the phone call. Totally sad. But also like, I'm not bad at this. And further annoyed with the process. Annoyed with the process. It's broken. If four people want to buy it for over list, they should be able to buy it. A hundred percent. So that is annoying and we're not even going to talk about that. It made me sad. Okay. But you call the seller. I call my seller. I'm like, y'all, it didn't appraise. Um, this this is the appraised value after the dispute. This is as high as we can get it. It's yeah. a VA. We can't get a second appraisal. No. It just is what it is. Yeah. And they had the initial reaction that I did. Oh my gosh, we had all these offers over this <laughs> price. Did they see our amenity sheet? We what about did this? All. What about that? And then after I said, I know, but this is where we are. And we can risk going to the backup offer and getting a second appraisal. And maybe it comes in higher and maybe it comes in lower. We're going to have to get through another home inspection. This is where we are. I need y'all to sleep on this tonight. And they were, it's sad. Sad. You're not getting the money you thought. You're not getting $25,000. No. They called me the next morning. We're like, okay, Alyssa, we slept on it. And honestly, when you told us that we would list for $325,000. Yeah, they were happy. We were giddy. Like, great. So, yes, 
you know, we're disappointed that we're right. not going to get as much as we thought, but we are getting more than we had hoped for. Mm-hmm. So what we did was there was no closing costs to take yeah. away. There was none of that. No. So what we did was we went back to the buyer and I said, the buyers, by the way, are devastated. Because they want to buy it. They want the house so bad. They don't have the cash to pay $25,000. They're waiting to hear from us on what we're going to do. And I said, because we have such a big gap, you tell us, go look at your savings. What is the most that you can pay over appraisal? Yeah. And we will decide based on your number if we are going to move forward with you. Okay. So the next morning she called me, the, the poor buyer's agent. She was like, the most they can do is 336. Okay. They can pay $6,000 over appraised value and that's all they have. And they are just sick to their stomach. Cause that's it. Because that's all they can do. And they love the house. And we're at the end at this point. Yeah. So I call my sellers. My seller said, okay. Mm-hmm. We'll move forward. We don't want to get through another inspection. We yeah. don't want to get through another appraisal. I called the buyer's agent tears. She's just like, she said when she called them and t- told them that we, she wrote me. And then the next day she was like, I can't stop thinking about this. Oh like, my God. They were so thank happy. You. Like they are just, what your sellers have done is, I mean, it all worked out. It worked out. But 336. It just go goes figure. to show the ranges out there. Know. You know, there is no magic number. And I told my sellers when they want to list higher than I can support, I say, I'm just letting you know. Yep. If a buyer's agent says, Can you share some comps with me that helped you get to this number? I have to tell them. I don't really have any. Right. What am I going to do? I don't do? have any data. What am I going to do? If you would like to get an appraisal so I can share it with them. Yeah. But at this time, at this Mm-mm. price, I have no data. No. And that is when, it's, I don't usually suggest a pre-appraisal, but if there yeah. is conflict or you're not sure, I do think it is worth suggesting worth getting one it, with a unique property, especially. Agreed. Okay. Can we do some rapid fire questions? Yeah. Okay, great. This market seems to have no cap. I used to air conservative. How do I reconcile that? That's kind of what you just said. <laughs> That's me right now. That's you. I mean, you just like keep looking at the data, right? Yeah. And I do take days on market into consideration yep. more now because I'm like, wow, this house really pushed it. And they were only on the market three days. We're okay if we don't sell in three days. Maybe it takes us two weeks. Right, right. To hold out to get a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. So if the days on market are low also, then push it a little higher. Okay. Love it. Which criteria and in what order is most important for comps? I always start with location, like yeah. the area search yeah. or the polygon okay. or the zip code. Then go from size, size yes. then age, yes. then bedrooms, yes. then extra, like, yeah, extra stuff at that like, point. Right. Like if there's too many, right. If there's too many and you've got a pool, then get the pools. Yeah. If there's not enough, then I you always st- start with like the house. Yeah. That's kind of how I, I broke down yours. Yeah. I just did the house. And right. then I was like, okay, now that I have the house let's at about 285, let's, yeah. what would a workshop I would be? like to point out, this isn't a quick necessarily process. No. I've gotten it into, I can probably in 30 minutes yeah. do just about anything, but yeah. it, it's not going to be like a one, like it's just so obvious. Sure. Okay. Um, are you using year over year appreciation numbers to adjust for older comps? Like I, no. I, I tried to comp, right now, <laughs> I tried to comp something the other day and I was like, well, well, well wait a minute. 
No house had sold in this pretty large neighborhood in six months. Mm. Not a single house. Not just that it wasn't like the listing I was going to see. There were none. So now I'm seeing what people are saying. When inventory is so tight Mm -hmm. and maybe there are no comps in the last six months, what do you do? Do you go back further and then give it some appreciation percentage? Or this might be, then you got to get an appraiser involved. Like, where are you going to pull comps? Are you go? They're not typically going outside of six months. Sure. Okay. But they can. But they can. Okay. What tricks are we using to make adjustments with lack of inventory? Same question. I'm just adding, like I'm using the data I have, pushing it, picking a number and adding a little bit to okay, it. Okay, y'all. And when I, <laughs> right. And when I do a CMA, I go six months back. And if that doesn't work and I've done all the other stuff and it didn't help, I mean, I'm not going way outside of the mile. No. So if if I go six months, then I'll go nine yeah. months and then I'll go 12 months yep. just so I can figure out what's, what has happened. Like right. I need to have some history, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. How do you present your price range at listing appointments? I think we kind of have talked about that just in the conversations we have. And yeah. I tell them there's no magic number. Nope. This is my range yep. based on the facts. If you disagree, yeah. maybe an appraisal is a good idea. I give the range and I also say, I'm giving you this number at the high end of the range because that's my philosophy. Okay. Mm, and I this, like that. And this is why I'm doing it. So I'm giving you the high end and then I'm going to give you like maybe some numbers. I usually, depending on the neighborhood and what the comps said on that market report, yeah. maybe then I go 3% to negotiate mm-hmm. by closing cost or price. Right. If it's a market that's so hot, then I don't need the 3% to negotiate. Gotcha. Okay. No, this is this is what we already talked about. Do you present your CMAs in a fancy way? No. The MLS printout is a little blah. Did Use we share, the blah printout? Did we share our, the template for a market analysis? Hi, I like. Yes, we did in the templates course. Yes, there is a template for. I would like to share an updated market analysis with yeah. you, and I attach the CMA summary to it's that. It's the summary, y'all. They, they just need, need information. Quick, they, they just want it easy to read. Yeah, I can't even read like an appraisal well. No, or no, I hate reading an appraisal. I never can find what I need. It's complicated, and that's what the deal is. The appraisals are set up just like those fancy comp, those fancy CMAs. Yeah, it's hard to read. People need the data clearly and quickly. They're not right. even trained to read appraisals. That no. that's. That stuff's hard to read. It is. All right. What if a house is really unique and no good comps? We've we've talked about Get this. Get an appraisal. Both, and both of, <laughs> us, both of ours were very unique and we figured it out. I mean, try out. to give them a range and say, if you're not happy with this range, then we need to get an appraisal because this is the best I could do on this unique home. Exactly. And you got to tell your seller, I'm not sure. Yeah. The appraiser might not even be sure. Right. Okay. How much weight do you give to updates and finishes? Depends on the comps, as my dad would say. And I would say, you got to choose the comps that are most similarly yes. updated and finished. Like if if there's if your house has a pool and the comps have a pool, then you don't get you don't get anything. extra because well, you're all the, on the same plane. The field. second part of that was how do you make adjustments for a fab kitchen or a pool, y'all? It's not worth as much as you think, right? If you go ask an appraiser in your market what is the standard pool you know, adjustment, they mm-hmm. might tell you it's 5,000, they might tell you it's 15, and they might say it's between five and 15, depending on how nice the pool is. Right. You know, just and a the whole price in the ground, range of the five, home, you well, know? Right. 
So it all depends on. But you don't. But I, I sorry, seller that had the super fancy patio edition for twenty five thousand dollars. You right. don't get every penny of that back. No, you might get ten, maybe ten to twelve. But what if all the other houses had a patio? Right, then you that's get the thing. You get nothing. Yeah. All right. What to do when house is on a specific busy street? <laughs> You're gonna have to deduct down. You are. Or try to find something else that's sold like that. I just had someone that their house has expired three times with three agents. And I ran comps. And it appears to be priced well looking at the comps. Right. But the comps are not on the busy street. So they did not, They were not making an adjustment. you got to adjust it down. I did it should be, you should be getting it at a discount if yeah. it has a detriment. I did a search on just the street name yeah. in the last two years. Right. I know that's far back. But, but I wanted to did see something just sell. Yeah, there were several. Well, good. And they were about $13 a square foot less. But see, look, data. And it was pretty strict. Yeah. Like, so I told her that. And it was that's helpful. Part, it was very strict. And you're like, that's what we got to do. Yeah. Okay. Um, this question was, how do we pull data? We've covered that. What do you look at to find comparables? We've done that. What if the houses aren't in a cookie cutter neighborhood? Done We've that. done that. Mm-hmm. Y'all, cookie cutters are easy. Easy piece. You, sometimes you can find the same floor plan. Exactly. And the last and final question. Yeah. WTF is an accurate CMA in this market. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. I don't know. But what we've told you today is what we normally do. Mm-hmm. And you just have to take into account whatever kind of market you're in. Mm-hmm. Up, down, seller, buyer. Then you make adjustments. And you need to have that CMA ready for your buyer to look at and then tell them, in this hot market, maybe you don't get to use this for anything other than peace of mind if you get it for this. Mm-hmm. And then you decide what it's worth to you over this. Right. Right? Yeah. Any other final thoughts? That's it. I hope that was helpful. I know we kind of um, sped it up at the end. Are you ready for a toast? Yep. Okay. Delightful. This toast is from Lindsay Carson in Northwest Georgia. Okay. She is toasting to Stephanie Wright. That is her new mentee. Um, She's a first-time mentor. So I guess Lindsay is a first-time mentor. I've been in real estate for five years, and she just got licensed a week ago. This was a few weeks ago. Um, I'm looking forward to learning alongside of her and making the Hustle Humbly podcast part of her journey in her first year of real estate. That's awesome. That's so fun. So I love that we're becoming part of like new agent training. training. I know that's, well, that's the goal, right? Yeah. That's the dream. Yeah. So um, cheers to Stephanie from Lindsay. That's amazing. I hope y'all's partnership is working out well and, and you know, everyone's learning. Everyone's learning. Still thriving. Teachers and students. Perfect. Okay. Goodbye, y'all. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Hustle Humbly podcast. Let us know who we should toast to for the next episode. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hustle Humbly Podcast. If you have an episode, topic, or question, please email us at hustlehumblypodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. See you next week. Bye. This is the good life.